Welcome to the Courtside Hoots podcast. Back again for another week. What a week it has been to NBA playoffs are here and they are in full swing. Obviously, today off the top, we are going to be talking the Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler. Who would have thought that a team that lost their first playing game then managed to beat the Chicago Bulls to get the eighth seed coming up against the Milwaukee Bucks, which were the consensus favourite for the title, had the best record in the entire NBA, and they are now out after Miami has beaten them 4-1 in an absolute turn-up. What a series. What a final two games. Let's start right there because that is the story of this year's playoffs thus far. Just to give you some numbers, game four, Jimmy Butler, 56 points, 22 in the first quarter, 21 in the fourth quarter, 19 of 28 from the field, nine rebounds. Miami was down 10, uh, no, sorry, they were down 12 with just over five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Managed to pull that game out and basically rip the series away from Milwaukee to go up 3-1. And then follows it up game five with 42 points, 17 to 33 from the field, eight rebounds, four assists, two steals, one block. Again, down nine with five minutes and 12 seconds to go in the fourth quarter. Jimmy Butler sends it into overtime and then they get the job done in Milwaukee to close that series out. Unbelievable scenes. Jimmy Butler again showing that he is an all-time great playoff performer. We thought game one was good and then that was just a precursor to what we were going to see in games four and five. Let's talk Jimmy Butler. Who wants to start in terms of reactions to, let's start with game four, which to me is one of the greatest playoff performances you are ever going to see. Who wants to start talking about game four and Jimmy Butler? Amazing. Uh, I think that that game four, like I, it probably my favorite game in as long as I can remember. Like, um, Obviously, massive Chicago fan. Didn't get to live the glory days because I was too young, really. Um, but to see someone who played for the Bulls um, and was traded away, obviously bounced through Minnesota, through Philly, got to Miami where he wanted to be, and that's been like a hand-in-glove fit for him there with Spo and that group. And the ability to play with poise and control in the flow of the game on both both ends of the court, not just one end, like majority of the superstars of all time, but on both ends of the court, every single possession, every single person who paid their ticket for that game got Jimmy Butler's absolute best for every second he was on the court. And it wasn't forced. Like that's the that's the amazing thing about it is he, he dropped 56, but it was almost even... It wasn't a quiet 56, but it kind of was at the same time because it's not like they're just going to Jimmy every time down the court, they're going four flat and he's just going one out, like which is what normally happens when guys have big games. It was just, it was it was unreal. And I was watching on my laptop because my young fellow was watching the TV, which was which was just <laughs> nice, nice of him to have the TV over me. <laughs> so I'm, st- I'm standing watching my 14-inch laptop screen, just, <laughs> just living the dream. <laughs> I mean, for me, I thought um, – I agree. I mean, I think Jimmy Butler is just an absolute um, 
playoff superstar, as you know, we've mentioned on this pod a few times. I, I mean, I must admit, I, I, I wasn't convinced that Miami really had um, the ability to get over the Bucks. Um, you know, I thought Bucks were going to get them in five or, or at, at most six. Um, you know, and I really think that you know that I, like Miami has had contributors throughout this series, but if you look at if you look at that game four, like the next highest scorer they had was Bam Adebayo with fifteen points, um, and then Caleb Martin on twelve. So like they, you know, Jimmy kind of had to pick the team up and you know carry them over the line. Milwaukee had. You know, 26, 13, and 10 from Giannis and 36 and 11 from Brooke Lopez. Um, you know, I just think, yeah, it was, a, it was an absolute all-time performance. And um, just that first quarter, it just felt like he, you know, he was never going to miss. He was he was one of those games that, you know, you hear superstars talk about, you know, when, when players go off as, you know, 60, 70, 80 points, they just pretty much say that, it, they can't imagine the ball not going in. They just catch fire and they just can't imagine missing. And that was basically how I reckon Jimmy Butler would have had to have felt because he was just, yeah, just an amazing, amazing talent. Yeah, it's the second best playoff game I've ever seen. Heath, Heath will know what the first one is, but uh, that's that's up there. That's up there with LeBron game six against the Celtics. That's That's one of the best games of all time. To go as a go-ahead game too on their home floor, like on his home floor, just to go ahead, put him up 3-1, go get on the road, let's finish him off. And then he goes again and has what? What do you have, 40? 42. 42. So he's, yeah. got, he's got the most 40-point playoff games in Miami Heat history, passing LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I don't yeah. think he's, I don't think Which he's is no scored. small feat. <laughs> and, and, well, what makes it even bigger is he's never scored 40 points for the Miami Heat in the regular season. Yeah, his, his scoring stats from regular season to playoffs is ridiculous. I think he scored 35-plus four or five times in the regular season, but in the playoffs, he scored 35-plus like nine times and 40-plus like seven times. Like It's just ridiculous the difference from what he does in the regular season on the, on the offensive side of things. Um, it's just unbelievable. But, Reg, you made a great point around that it was all in the flow of the game. As you say, most times when guys get it going, it's, okay, let's let's feed them, let's see how many they can actually get. And they tend to coast on the defensive side of the ball. Certainly, he didn't have the luxury to do that. Most possessions, he's either getting Brook Lopez or Giannis. And, Charles, you talked about, I think it was 36 Brook finished with. Milwaukee went big and Miami went small. So it allowed Brook Lopez to have a huge game because they were just able to get it to him in the lane. And credit to Spo to be like, okay, we'll give that up. We'll give, we'll, we'll let Brook, if, if we lose to Brook Lopez scoring 40 plus, uh, cool. You know, don't get beat by what you know by letting Giannis do whatever. So, you know, he's having to guard those guys on the defensive end and then having to do what he did on the offensive side of the ball. That first quarter, he scored the last 20 points for Miami in the first quarter. The game would have been done at quarter time if it wasn't for him. And then they're down 12 with five minutes to go in the fourth, and he basically does the exact same thing. I think he scored 18 of the last 21 in that fourth quarter run to take the game away from him. So not only did he save the game in the first, he then goes and rips the victory away from Milwaukee in the fourth 
But again, never looked forth. Everything was in rhythm. He just did what he had to do for that team to win. And it just happened that he needed to score in certain points of the game for Miami to get over the line. So unbelievable. We'll stay with game four because there has been a lot of talk about was it A, the greatest playoff performance ever, but more importantly, they spoke about was it the greatest Miami Heat playoff performance? So where do we stand now? Pat, you touched on it a little bit there with when talking about game six. Do we think that's the greatest Miami Heat playoff performance in that franchise's history? Yeah, the eighth seed, they've lost the plane. They won the second game. That puts them up 3-1. They, they hold home court. They go away and they take game one. They hold home court. You go up 3-1. Yeah, it's, it is. It's no I, question. I, I would absolutely agree with that too. And I mean, I think a few pods ago, we, you know, we gave our top 10 greatest of all time. And then I think the question was asked, who is who is the best chance of potentially breaking that and who's the closest at the moment to breaking the top 10? And I think majority of us said Giannis because, you know, if he continues to win um, at championships, he's going to be a hard player to say that he's not in the top 10 greatest of all time. So the fact that this Miami team from an eighth seed can knock off, you know, I mean, admittedly, I know Giannis didn't play um, a few games in the series, but, you know, he was there game four and he was there game five and, um, you know, couldn't couldn't get the win. So I think that, yeah, you know, all that all that context involved, yeah, I think this is a this is the best Miami Heat playoff game in, his, in their history. Giannis played 38 minutes. In game four, it wasn't like he wasn't. He's pushing in and out like he like they they went deep in their five starters. They they went with the old trust yeah. seven, play six kind of mindset. Yeah, because of foul trouble, they had to they had to play all seven of them. And like you know, Drew Holiday logged forty minutes, Lopez thirty eight, Giannis thirty eight, Middleton thirty seven, Allen thirty three. Like, yeah, he, that's, that's what I'm saying. He did he, he did it against the best. Um, Reg, where do you think it sits? I get everything that was said, but there, there's some sort of freedom that you also get in being an underdog. You don't have the pressure of being expected to win. And we've seen in sports this happen in, in all sorts of sports, particularly team sports, that these these you know underdogs or you know, go on to win or, or how often do we have at, at various levels of sport, a team goes undefeated all year, then they lose the final. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's something that changes when it comes to that that sort of pointy end. Having said that, it's like a ridiculous performance. So between the two games that we're all talking about, they're one and one A. I think you can flip a coin um, because there's cases that could be made that would sway me one way or the other. Um, and I'm trying not to have recency bias, which I know is very easy to have. Um, and I love Jimmy. Far more than I love LeBron, but um, <laughs> it's it's yeah it's I, I think the, the the context between if if we were to go back and and watch that that um, game with with LeBron and and watch that again and think about the context, you might like shit change. You might, it, it's just that's what I mean by it's like it's one and one a. It's I, I I'd be happy to go either way, and there's a, a, a massive gap then to the next one. I think the 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 question I was going to ask. Um, and not to flip it on um, away from Miami, but where, where does this leave 
Giannis, Mike um, Budenholzer, and the Milwaukee Bucks. Like they've won one championship with this roster that they've constructed. What have they been together? Maybe four or five years as this roster now. And you know, lost to Boston last year, um, knocked out by eight seed Miami this year. I know. I mean, I know that Giannis has come out and you know people have praised his speech to say that you know it's you know just because they haven't won this year doesn't mean that. Um, you know, they give up and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it kind of, I would, it, with this roster that they've got, I'd say that they've underachieved for the last four years to win one title. So they only got Drew Holiday in 2021 and then that's when they won the championship. So they've gone championship and then knocked out by Boston second round and now obviously the upset in this playoff. So it's only a three-year sample size with, with that roster. <laughs> It's hard to say a team underachieves when they win a championship. That's that's where I sort of sit on it. Who who would have thought? Like it's hard to win in the NBA. Like I think we get caught up with what happens with teams like Golden State and LeBron going to eight straight finals and think that's the norm. Like you know. Tim Duncan had the best coach in basketball and one of the best rosters for near 15 years. You know, they got five championships in 15 years. So they've got one in three years. It's the same theory. Did the Spurs underachieve? You know, like it, it's hard to win in this league. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think if they make any changes, it, it's the coach. I think and that I, – I, I, I don't – think that they should, but I just think that the heat, that he's going to cop the most heat out of all of this. Um, and Giannis wasn't very supportive of him in a lot of ways, in, including um, the fact that Drew was given the, the full assignment on Jimmy and Giannis wanted to crack at him. It just, to me, there was a little bit more to that he was holding back there. Um, and if Giannis is going to have that sort of view, Bud's in trouble. <laughs> it, it goes back to the same when he was head coach of Atlanta. There were those times where they were challenging the Cavs too. Like he doesn't make defensive adjustments. He sticks. He has a game plan. And he sticks to it, and he believes that's going to work, right? And it, it might. But you did. You make a good point there. Giannis did say that he was like, you know, I would have loved to play defense on Jimmy down the stretch, but that wasn't the assignment, you know. So I had to go in and, and change my game and, and play the way I needed to. So, uh, and lost- I, I could be wrong, but. Before they got Drew and won the title, wasn't he basically on the chopping block then because they'd had a few playoff failures before they went and got Drew in that? Yeah, he was going to go, I reckon. Yeah. They, won the, they won the title. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, that, that's bought him another couple of years, another yeah. contract extension. You know, you win a title, you should get a contract extension, I think. Yeah, but <laughs> they're, they're ro- their rosters, it's going to be an interesting season or two for them. Like, Brooke Lopez is, I don't know if he's a free agent now or he's next year, but... Geez, he's going to get paid. Like he, he's on a good deal already, but the the value that he offers, you know, they, they did it. They got Bobby Portis on on a good deal, but uh, the other thing is, I think in two years' time, Giannis is, or a year and a half's time, Giannis is extension eligible again. And Drew Holiday, not so long after that, like they got some decisions to be made on their roster because it's not. And Joe Ingles, obviously, obviously Joe. But, I mean, what, what about I, Chris Middleton? Where do you see Chris Middleton in this Bucks team? He's a free, he's a free agent, restricted free agent this year. Like, uh, it, it, it's really hard. Like, as as Bucket said, like, it's so hard to win in this league and consistently win in this league. And health has not been on their side this year. 
with Giannis in the playoffs, but Chris Middleton getting back into the rotation late. But well, they should all retire then if they're not healthy, isn't that? <laughs> yeah, Stephen A. Stop it, Rich. Yeah, Stephen Stop A. It. <laughs> It, look, did they just come up against a team that matches up really well with them in terms of they understood how to? Like, don't forget, Miami did this to them in the bubble. Same thing. Bucks were overwhelming favourites in the bubble. Miami ran them through five, uh, 4-1 in the bubble. Yes, then Milwaukee come back and swept them last year. Miami weren't the same team with injuries and things, things of that nature. Sorry, in 2021. So and Miami went to the conference finals last year. So is it just that they come up against a team that understands the best way to play this Milwaukee team? They you watch the defense they play on Giannis, it they get it. They're not out there trying to steal the ball and block shots off him. All they're trying to do is make him go through bodies every single time. And if he happens to be able to make a tough layup or dunk on them or go to the free throw line and hit free throws then so be it, do it. They don't make it easier like a lot of other teams do on him. Are we, are we taking away a lot of credit from Miami? Like you touched on a really good point there. They made the they, they were they were that Jimmy Butler shot away from Game Seven going to the NBA Finals last year, just because they had a really bad season with health and just the rotation of some of their guys, like. Maybe a bit of a they're not a, they're not a true eight seed, no way. No, no, you're <laughs> no right. Like they, they just played some pretty. I feel like the East was a pretty open league this year. Like it was a it was a it was a tight comp. You know, like the Knicks jumped up, the Cavs jumped up. Like I don't think Miami are probably they've been called underdogs, but they made the comp. They were shot away from going to the NBA Finals. Um, I think think they helped themselves getting Kevin Love too. That's probably other another good addition that they. We're able to bring in certainly in game five, five from eight well, from, from long range. And isn't this isn't this the thing? The other the other week we were talking about without Tyler Hero, they're going to really struggle. But in every single game, they had at least one, if not two, of their role players: Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, Kevin Love, Kyle Lowry. Like there was timely plays by all these other dudes, and Jimmy just being out of this world. Like, yeah, and we said it, we said it would take Jimmy out of this world to do it, and he's been out of this world, and he did it. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin were huge. They were huge. Like, and credit to like I know they always talk about Miami finding these undrafted guys, but Spo deserves a lot of credit here. He puts people in positions to be successful. He he knows exactly how to use guys, and he holds them to the same standard as everybody else. Jimmy holds them to the same standard, and they're just like like they're all on the same page at all times. Doesn't matter if you're one or you're down to UD at fifteen. Like you're you're on that same page, and and the way you, you just listen to the way Spo talks, it's the exact same language that when Jimmy talks, it's the exact same language as when Bam talks. Like they they all get it. They're not working against each other. They're all working with each other. They're buying and it's impressive. Into the, buying it's impre- into the it's, yeah, that that heat culture is a legit thing. Imagine if they had Tyler Hero as well. It's Pat Riley, top down. You are spot on. So let's stay with that. So. Eight seed versus the one seed, team with the best record in the league, had to come through the play-in. So they ended up losing the first play-in, win the second play-in to get the eight seed. They lose their second high leading scorer in game one. Is this the greatest upset in NBA history? Mm, I think the We Believe might be... A touch better because 
I might be wrong, but I don't think that Dirk was anywhere near as banged up as Yarn. I don't think Dirk missed games in that series. No, so and so for context, that's Golden State beating the Dallas Mavericks in 2007. So MVP Dirk, seven, uh, 67 win team losers to the Golden State Warriors with Baron Davis, Stephen Jackson, Matt Barnes and co. So that's certainly up there to beat an MVP-led team that had just come off an NBA Finals appearance. And then the Knicks 99 one, you can't. You can't give it love. It was a lockout season, so it's not a true eight season. <laughs> yeah, much that, like, that, much that, like the, the bubble season. Much like, much like the bubble season, Ethan's talking about thinking that it means something. There was the Larry, the Larry Johnson phantom call on, on the four-point play <laughs> too. Just just like any of KD's rings that mean something. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Steph. Reg, where do, you, where do you sit in terms of upsets of all time? The only other one that came to me was what Pat mentioned, um, mm. like off the top of my head. I, I, you could probably go back and find other ones, but just off the top of my head, those are sort of the two that that really stand out. I think there's only four of them. What do you mean? There's only four of them. Eight v one seeds upsets. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, but I think there's probably been other upsets that you could consider true. Bad up, like significant upsets, not always necessarily eight v one. Dallas, Dallas v Miami eleven. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Clip, Clip, Clippers v the Spurs that year as well, where Chris Paul gets that runner over bloody Tim Duncan, and that's that was their year. Yep, yeah. But I think that Man. the other the, the context that goes against it for Miami is the fact that I don't think they're a true eight seed. I think they're a lot better than that. They just had so much bad luck this year. Like every time you saw Miami play, they had a different lineup. Like there were so many dudes. Even that Highsmith or whatever his name was who played the other day, I'm like, who the heck is this guy? You know, and then I, I see that he started like 16 games or something for the Heat this year. Like, um, so I don't, I don't necessarily think they were a true eight, uh, eight seed, but still, in any event, that's where they landed. That's the way it was, and um, it's it's a it's up there for sure. And I mean, like, interesting thing to think is, you know, if they beat they beat Atlanta in the play-in. They like they play Boston, and you know, do Boston knock out Miami? Um, eat like pretty easy because like it's a they're a different you know different team. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, like you know, it, it, things have gone right I guess for Jimmy that they probably got a match up that I I do, do agree with you. I think that they match up better with Milwaukee than they do with Boston. So yeah, the, there's certainly a mental mental edge. Um, that they don't necessarily have over Boston, that they have over Milwaukee. You could see in terms of the way Milwaukee closed out those last two games. That's not a physical thing that happens to make those mistakes they made. Mm. It's tough for someone you've talked before about Bud and whether there's a change there at the coaching level. It's it's difficult to to see how the coach can survive if you're unable to get a shot off with eight seconds to go to save your season at home and you have two timeouts. Well, yeah. even go that play beforehand when there was 0.5 and the uh, Duncan Robinson said, Pat came over, uh, sorry, Spoke came over to their huddle and was like, why didn't he call a timeout? <laughs> like before before overtime even started, he was like, there's 0.5, like you, you give yourself a chance. You call a timeout, you advance the ball, Lob it at the ring or, or 0.5. We know Derek Fisher. We know you can get a shot off with 0.4. So, yep. you know what I mean? Like, and then to do it again, basically, um, towards the end, 
yeah, tough. Yeah, because you never want to call for a coach's job, especially over one game or one play or things. But the the job of a coach is to be mentally switched on when the players are out there and fatigued because fatigue is the biggest thing that changes your mental because mental fatigue is so much more difficult to overcome than physical fatigue. That's why a coach is there. If we just relied on the players to make good decisions, the coaches would be irrelevant. The reason the coach is there is so during times like that when the players are fatigued, they've still got mental clarity to make the right decisions to give the team the best chance to win. So to me, it's it's one of the few things that's inexcusable to have your season on the line with eight seconds to go and you don't even get a shot to save it. It's You just, to me, I don't Sucked know how you come back from that. Sucked <laughs> do you think, in Grace and Allen. Do, do you think do you think that the Steph Curry calling a timeout the day before and getting the tech foul late in the game played a part into some of their players maybe not wanting to call the timeout on the floor? <laughs> so said it's not it shouldn't be up to the players to make the decision. It should absolutely be and the coach to make the decision. Funnily enough, Steve Kerr blamed himself for that Steph Curry. He said I should have I should have been more clear with everyone as to how, like, he blamed himself for that. I mean, so I, I, your, your I point su- there, Buckets, is spot on. I, mean, I, I would 100%. suggest that in NBA that if if you didn't have any timeouts left or you do have timeouts left, that that would definitely be something the coach should be saying to the players. Like, if we can't get the a shot off or if we're not getting a good look or if we can't get an inbound, inbound ball, call a timeout. Like, we've got them, you know, it would be a... Well, Run to half court and call it yourself. Yeah. Well, a, a, <laughs> exactly. good exa- a good example was today with Atlanta against Boston. Like that, They banked. They had way a timeout to call late in, the, late in the game, but they banked it and they just kept throwing it at the defender, off the off defender, the guy's legs. three times yeah. in a row until they finally turned it over. But they probably should have called a timeout after the third one. But it, it's, it is what it is. But yeah, co- a coach, the coaching staff have to take wear that one. To, to play devil's advocate, Pat, and you made a good point when I said I would have called time out there that, that with eight seconds whether it was left, and you're like, no, 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 like trust your team. Yeah, away you go. They go down and score, and we're like, oh, brilliant, you know. Yeah. But put them on there. Like it, it's it's it can be such a yeah. And same with game winners. Sometimes they're terrible shots. They go and it's like, oh, great shot. They miss. It's like, why was he shooting that? Like it it's, comes down to the smallest of details sometimes. What? I'm a big fan of trusting you guys. Like as a coach, you've got to be able to trust the guys you've got out on the floor, especially when you've got the players of their talent and level of of who they are and and what they've done. But, you know, you see it all the time where a player gets it, player gets it late in the game and goes to go and the the coach has walked out and called a timeout and the player's like, well, what's going on? And it also puts the opposition off. And I think that was, uh, if I was coaching, I probably wouldn't have called the timeout. When Grace Allen got the ball, I would have called the timeout. Because yeah. he was in, he was in no man's land up the top there. He was in no man's land. But you, you got to kind of trust your guys to go out there, and it also doesn't give the defense any time to set up. But mm. credit where it is, Miami are probably the worst team you could have had in that situation to be up against because they love they they play a fantastic scramble defense. They I do. think the other thing I think the other thing on that though too is if you've got Jordan or you've got LeBron or you've got Kobe. Or you've got one of these guys that you don't have to call a timeout because you know they're going to have the ball in their hands and they're going to make the play. It's a lot easier to just go, I'm going to roll with my guys. That last play, like, run by me, they had no idea. Giannis comes down, like, jumps in the air, turns around, passes to Middleton. He's out of control. Like, there was there was no one who was like, give me the ball, and everybody, like, 
get out of the way or something. Or this is what we had. Like there was no one in control. Yeah. So at that point, maybe with five seconds, you allow a few seconds and then you go, no, 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 I don't like this. I'm going to call a timeout. Still got enough time on the clock to actually get something together to get a good look. Versus last year. Like you've, 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 you've got to be able to make those decisions if you're bad. Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah. It's also your, your, your personnel, right? Like you, you flip mm. teams. Jimmy Butler's getting the ball, calming everyone down, getting up the court, setting into something, and off he goes. It's Yeah. He can, he, he can take that time. And it's also too as if, you know, as if Bucks wouldn't have been also practicing and scrimmaging and and you know, training these scenarios. Like there's there's a good chance in the playoffs that you will you know be down one or two against Miami Heat and have an inbounds ball, have the option. You know, like you'd be training all these things. So it just, I think from a coach perspective, he he definitely has dropped the ball because that's something that you'd be thinking you know, that you'd be training against and, and um, you know, thinking Scenario through, planning to know for. what you would do. You know, like, you know, what plays would you run? How, who are you going to get open? Yeah, what kind of defense would do Miami typically play in the last 20 seconds of a game when, you know, the game's on the line? Like, you'd, you know, you'd know all that from watching game tape. And, you know, I think, um, you know, Giannis came out and said, I think the thing was we were, th- we were thinking bigger and we were thinking about winning winning a ring and we didn't we didn't really focus on you know, winning the series. They were too too busy about where the number one seed and we'll run through the number eight seed and we'll worry about the playoffs when we get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um yeah, and that showed through. But that's Most. that's gotta be a it's gotta be a mindset and a coach's set, right? Going back to that as the coach is the true leader of the team. Like, you know, it's it's one game you got you've got to get it's the first to sixteen wins. You just gotta mm-hmm. knock one off at the time. You gotta get sixteen of them. You don't focus on a, a. I need we'll get past this one and then we're on. Like it's you need sixteen wins. Mm. That's it. That's it's a tough tough one for the coach. I don't um I don't think it's going to be an easy easy summer for him. We've um, retired. We've retired him. He's injured. He's retired. It. We've retired yeah. him. And I I I know what you're saying about trusting your guys there, but f- even watching the game from home. You had four guys out on the floor there that did not want the ball in their hands. So trusting them to just run a, a motion set with, when you're down two in overtime is not smart because you had four guys just wanting to get the ball out of their hands as quickly as possible, which is why it ended up in Grayson Allen's hands. And even he did not want – you. someone that wanted the ball in that moment would have caught that ball at the top, seen they had no one between him and 15 feet and pulled up from the foul line for a jump shot. But he tries a Euro step and then time runs out because no one on that floor wanted that ball to try to win that game. Or he steps back because that defender's very committed to cut, cutting that line, and that's just a step-back jumper. Yeah. So bad luck, Before- Milwaukee. Congratulations, Miami. Before we move on, I have to say this quote from Spo, and I went went back and and listened to it several times so I get every word correct because I thought it was really, really cool the way he explained it. He's talking about Jimmy Butler, and he says, a lot of guys play the game of basketball in this league. He competes to win. That's a different language. He said, a lot of guys play the game. He competes to win. That's a different language. He's desperate. Urgent, maniacal, and sometimes psychotic <laughs> about the will to try and win. 
Like how how perfect of a quote is that? Like sums up Jimmy so well. good. Sums so good. up Jimmy well. It's tombstone worthy. So oh, I was getting chills. <laughs> The 80th time I listened to it to try and get the words right, I was still getting chills. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is why we need Miami in the playoffs as long as possible, just for oh. Spo's press conferences yeah. and Jimmy's press conferences because most superstars after they've just reeled off two of the greatest playoff games and the most points in a two-game span since the great Michael Jordan in 93 against the Phoenix Suns would be up there drinking their own bathwater. And every second word out of Jimmy Butler's mouth is, my teammates do this for me. I'm a product of my teammates. I'm a product of this system. I'm just out there hooping. Like, it, we need more Spo and Jimmy Butler press conferences as long as possible. So, Preach. okay, we, ha- we have to move on. We're, that's 30, 32, nearly 33 minutes on the So, we're done, yeah? Jimmy that's, Butler. We're done. That's it. <laughs> Let's talk, let's talk about some other things that happened. So we've had some series um, completed. So the New York Knicks have taken care of the Cleveland Cavaliers at 4-1 there. So fifth seed being the fourth seed. Unfortunately, the Boston Celtics beat the Atlanta Hawks today. So they won that 4-2. Denver and Phoenix both took care of their opponents 4-1. So they're due to meet in the conference semifinals. Tomorrow, we've got a big day. The Kings and Warriors and the Lakers Grizzlies both facing off in game sixes. Hopefully, the Lakers can close things out and the Kings can take care of business and send that one back to Sacramento for a game seven. Going to be a, a Difficult, difficult task in the Chase Centre, but fingers crossed there. Let's start with the Knicks Cavaliers series. Pat, I believe you called the Knicks beating them, which I thought was um, a bad call, but shows how much I know about basketball. What did you think of the Knicks advancing 4 1 against Cavaliers? I think I, was, I think I originally said they were going to be the biggest underachievers this year, too. Which is quite <laughs> but, um, they're into the you balanced round. it out perfectly. They're, they're into the second <laughs> round. Uh, oh, it, it was one of those games. It was one of those series, right? Like I think we talked about it the last time we touched on it. It was just it was such a defensive series. Like if you don't, if you if you like the modern era of basketball, you would have hated watching this. Like and New York fans, like the, every every podcast I listen to, everyone everyone you speak to, like Jeff Van Gundy said, he's like, I coached this team in the nineties in the playoffs. This atmosphere was better. It was. He said the, gar- <laughs> he said the garden was rocking. He's like, it was old school. It was. Uh, they just love that they love their team and they finally got something to cheer about. It's like their third playoff win in the last two decades or something like that. Like who cares? But I, Donovan Mitchell, I think he, he had, he struggled. He struggled in, in his series. And I think the, the bigs as well, like Mitchell Robinson's contract right now looks so under like it's, it's, probably one of the best valued contracts in the league right now. The way he toiled against those big guys in in Allen and Mobley, you know, he he went to work on the boards. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if he if he he had 18 rebounds in the closeout game. Like, you know, we it's it's it reminds me of, but he's blocking shots. He's it's just the energy there and I mean, Jalen Brunson is Jalen Brunson, right? I think we've talked about him many times and some of us called him overpaid and bad recruit. Follow him some words. <laughs> so, nah, not on this podcast. That must have been a different one. <laughs> it, it's just zero like, accountability. Exactly. <laughs> but no, a good good series. Like I'd be excited to see a five v eight in the second round. I can't wait. Like it's going to be Tibbs v Jimmy. How good! And like 
you probably going to see a lot of Josh Hart, I reckon, guarding Jimmy Butler, and that's just going to be two guys that just go after it, just effort. I hope he does a better job than Drew Holiday. If he doesn't, Jimmy will let him know about it, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we didn't touch on that, but he was talking smack like eight to ten points down, saying, you can't guard me. They weren't up at that stage. They were down. He knew what was coming. <laughs> But we no, stopped good. talking about Miami. Let's let's talk about <laughs> back to Jimmy. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so Tosh, as a as a long time Phoenix fan, going all the way back to the days when Jordan did at last drop ninety nine points in a two game stretch, which you obviously would have seen that back in ninety three in the finals when Phoenix was last there with oh, Charles course, Barkley and Dan Marley and Co. I think I, I think Kevin Johnson. I believe it was out to John Paxson. Three. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty did sure that kill you. I was, I, was, I was in attendance in that game and it broke yeah. my heart. It was, yeah. it was not good. John Paxson, of all guys, like he must have just been devastated. So they took care of the Clippers, um, obviously without their two best players in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, so a fairly soft one. Devin Booker, again, flat-track bully beating up on a understrength opponent. What did you think of them and do you think they've got a chance against Denver? Uh, yep, I think they've got a good chance against Denver. I think they match up well against Denver. Obviously, Jokic will be tough to stop, but I also don't know if Denver have um, the defensive cattle to um, stop a Devin Booker and Kevin Durant and Chris Paul onslaught. I'll Chris call that. Paul. Chris Paul, you're going to include Chris Paul on that wow. after his playoff okay. series. Okay. I don't know what he, he's on onslaught. I'm not sure what that will be. You've been watching box scores or you've been watching games? <laughs> well, Devin Booker will, will need to wait until Jamal Murray or Michael Porter goes down in games one or two and then he'll start to get going. Oh, all right, mate. <laughs> Just, yeah, <laughs> should, should, should we even talk about Jar and the series with Grizzle yet or not? No, um, don't, no, we, no. We, don't, we, we don't double team in this gym. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think, I think in that series it's obviously unfortunate that um, Paul George was out and um, Kawhi Leonard was out. We all thought that Kawhi Leonard was being a bit soft, but it turned out he had an actual meniscus tear, which um, no good um, for him. Um, but it's that was so hard. That was it was so hard. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, his, his, his sister also just got sentenced to life in prison, and then he's done his knee. But like, I just it's unfortunate, isn't it? Well, and I he's mean, had to like, retire, forcefully. He's retired, yeah. And Steve <laughs> Smith just put him in the coffin. <laughs> tough week. We thought it was going to be tough for Bud. Should have been talking about Kawhi's tough week. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Like two days ago, we were talking about what was this league of the Clippers, and you were like, they need to ship everyone out of the Clippers. I don't care about where they end up. They need, Clippers need to blow this up. What? So, I, poor, so, so poor Kawhi, the torn meniscus, and a sister that's just been like <laughs> in prison is going to get shipped off to bloody New Orleans or somewhere just because. Pat wants to just relocate them, and I stand um, by know, it. I'm not, I'm not retiring. I'm not retiring. I'm giving an opportunity to go and play hey. somewhere else. Hey, Kawhi and New Orleans would be all right. He'd be good there. What with his six games a year, he'll play. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he's got a, one more than Zion. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, look, obviously, yeah, not not good for the Clippers. Um, good, good. For, for Phoenix, I do think that even if um, Kawhi played and not Paul George, that we would we would have won the series. Even think with Paul George, we you know it was probably a fifty fifty. But um, 
you know, it is what it is. Do you think your favourites, would you say you're more confident that they're going to beat the Nuggets or you think you're still underdogs? I think I think that we are, we'll be underdogs according to the betting agencies and um, the general feel around the media. I, I'm quietly confident that we've got, um, we, we, we'll match up well against them. So, you know, I guess we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm confident that, you know, KD has been getting better and better each playoff game. Booker's been, you're on a flat track bully so far, but you know, all he's got to do is continue some of that form and, and you know, we score more points and and game over. Sorry, did, didn't, you, didn't you say you can only beat who's front of you? That's what you said, yeah, Tosh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay, bubble ring, baby. <laughs> I, I, my biggest worry um, from this series is going to be the the mental toughness of Aiden. So, in past playoffs, he's had his struggles to the point where the coaches actually sat him, and he's going to be coming up against arguably the best big man in, in the game right now who can manipulate the game at all levels. So it's, he's not just reliant on him going to try and score 35. He'll just manipulate the entire game um, to give Denver the best chance to win. If Aiden goes into his shell and mentally checks out like he has in previous playoffs, Jokic will have an absolute field day because there's no one else on the Phoenix Suns that can go near Jokic. So without Aiden being able to at least make it difficult on him, Jokic could just command this entire series. It's going to be I, – I, I actually think Denver should go in as the favourites just from how they play and their depth. I understand that it's the it's the playoffs, so the, you probably go with the best player. And I still think Kevin Durant's the best player in the series. I don't. I think I don't. I don't have a problem saying that. I think if Kevin Durant had a full healthy year this year in Brooklyn, he would have been top two in the MVP and probably wouldn't have asked for a trade. But it's it's going to be a cracking series. Like I just you don't want to see. The other thing is, is that Chris Paul's actually going to have to come out and he's going to have to he's going to have to step up. They, they need campaign back badly. They, they're missing that second distributor, and then. I don't ever want to acknowledge campaign as any good, but like <laughs> Chris Paul it hasn't been great and campaign can kind of take that minutes load off him. So Chris Paul can kind of play his game in those specific minutes. But yeah, it's going to be, you bang on with what you said about DeAndre Ayton. Like this is going to, this could be the series that makes him. So, you know, he clashed with the coach already. He asked to go, he wanted to sign that, that other offer. They matched and here they are. And, this is going to be the biggest test for him in his career because he's not a great defender and he gets lost a lot. Like if he's in the post, he's an all right defender. He's seven foot. You can't be a bad defender if you're in the post at seven foot, but we know Jokic doesn't play in the post. No. And any mistake, he'll just eat up. Yeah. I think the the other interesting element to this one, I think is on a smaller scale, Jamal Murray's a little bit like Jimmy on the offensive end, not the defensive end, in that when it comes to playoffs, his level of play rises significantly. He's just he's obviously had some health concerns and things like that. But I think he's the kind of player who would would be like really ready for this stage again to sort of prove himself 
Um, but also he's he's done it. You know, his his bubble that that playoff series against um, Utah was insane. Um, you know, then he had the, had his injury and stuff. So I think he's he's another one to watch as as a key. Uh, element to this role because I saw something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was, but when he scores over a certain amount, their record is like just ridiculous because you, you know what you're going to get from Jokic every single game, but he's the guy who's been a little bit less consistent throughout the year. Um, but we know what it, what he's like when it comes to playoffs. He, he does elevate his, his his game on the offensive end. Well, and he's healthy too now. Like the stuck, you know, he 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 wasn't himself at the start of the year. He's, he's slow. It was awful. It was pretty bad to watch, to be honest. They probably could have used him coming off the bench a little bit, but with their lineup, they, don't, they could afford to not – they could just mm-hmm. afford to let him run out there and play his normal minutes because this is what they've been waiting for and their record allowed him to just keep playing and make mistakes. And, yeah, that's the scary part. I don't know who's going to guard him from a Phoenix standpoint. Like, Devin Booker's been good defensively this year. I'll give him some credit where it's due. He hasn't been he hasn't been a turnstile. He's actually been a pretty good defender in that first round. But I don't know who they're gonna use as that matchup because you'd assume KD's probably gonna go to Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. I, 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 I would have thought that Tory Craig Devin, maybe? Yeah there there Tory Craig or Devin Book is going to be yeah. probably the guy to go but uh, Tory Craig's not quick enough for Jamal Murray off the mm. dribble. He's going to have a field day getting to the cup around him, but yeah, it's at the same time though. You put it, put your Phoenix hat on. Getting Jokic involved in every pick and roll is going to be how they play this series. Uh, Chris Paul is a master in the pick and roll. He can play. He can have KD there. He can have Aiton's going to be the element to it because he's not a great roller, a rim roller off that pick and roll. So yeah, I think Buckets made a really good point. It's they're going to involve Jokic in a lot of pick and rolls and a lot of on-ball actions, but Aiton's going to have to be really aggressive. I mean, I think Phoenix Suns too. This is, with an ageing Chris Paul, you know, like this is probably, I'd, I'd give them next season, but outside of next season, this is their this is their window, so to speak. You know, I can't see beyond 2024, the 2020. 324 season that um you know them being any any kind of um not threat but like with Chris Paul going out like this is their, this is their best their best chance. I think Chris Paul hasn't played didn't play a horrible series with Clippers. Um I think he averaged like 13 points, 8 8 assists and 6 rebounds, one one or two turnovers. So you know he hasn't disgraced himself. Um Oh, yeah, disgraced himself. To... Did you watch the games, or are you going off his stats? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, he had, he had some bad. Watch moments. him. Watch I him. He he, he had one good game in the whole series. He he looks. He, you know, there's a cliff coming for that boy. <laughs> Jeez, we're retiring. Everyone to know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Chris Paul has announced his retirement <laughs> before the conference finals. He's before actually. Uh, in, in, in saying this, watching him absolutely tear this series to pieces now that I've ripped him an absolute new one. Yeah. So let's head, let's head out east. So the other Eastern Conference semi-final matchup, we've got the Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics. So two, three seeds facing off there. Who do we think is coming out of that one? Boston. I'll just say because I because I hated on Boston the last in the last Pod saying they're overrated. I still stand by that. I think they can. Yeah, nice. They're shaky. Perfect. Nice. Um, I honestly have energy. 
be- because of that, I have no idea how this series is going to go. And Bede's not healthy. I, they're going to roll over. Like they'll. It's hardened in the second round. Can you trust that? Atlanta gave him a bit of a scare. Atlanta, Atlanta. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Don't get don't don't get me wrong. Though Atlanta Atlanta aren't as bad as advertised. But they got Boston a new coach under- like two months ago. Nearly, nearly doing a first playoff win. Yeah, but they got a, they got the right coach. They did. Yeah, I'm a big fan of of Quinn Snyder. But yeah, yeah. I, I if if Embiid was healthy, this would be a cracking series. But Al Horford, Al Horford, and Robert Williams. They're two very good defenders in that in that space. It's just going to be. I, th- I think I, th- I think they they Celtics, Celtics probably pull it out four two. Keep in mind, Philly have buckets and I guy number seventeen. PJ Here Tucker, baby. Yeah, PJ Tucker, baby. Yeah, but I mean, he's just he's just going to be <laughs> he's just going to be hounding. I'd actually put him on Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum hasn't been overly impressive, but yeah. Kevin Martin style, or <laughs> not quite at the level. Uh, yeah, a bit below. We, Kevin we know we know what Jason Tatum is. Uh, him and him and Devin Booker consider the same table together. That's so rough. The, bla- the blasphemy but, coming out of your mouth. No, like, right it now. just it is. Like, what you, want, it, like the, you want this to be a serious podcast, and you are no, you are full on. Like it's just top, top top five player facts. in the league. You try, try and tell me he's the three hundredth player in the league. It, it just well, no, not quite three. Like he cracked, the, he cracked the top two hundred, but like let's <laughs> not, not get over overboard. Yeah, it's only because he plays in a big market. You know, if he was playing for Oklahoma City, like no one would know who he was. If he was playing for Oklahoma um, City, they are a number two or three seed this year. If he was playing for, if he was playing for, he'd be coming off the bench. Him, 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 Shay and Josh Giddy. Oh, I'd be all for it. I'd change, I'd change teams to OKC. Shout out to Josh Giddy. My man drinks cruises. We love that for him. <laughs> <laughs> You've been seen, Josh. You've been seen. The um, thing that sucks about this series is you, you stick to what you know, and the best predictor of the future is the past. And what always happens is. Embiid gets hurt come playoff time. Harden doesn't show up. So to think that there's going to be anything different in this series is just that's not the smart play because the past will tell us what's going to happen in the future. The only thing that can save us is a disappearing act from Jason Tatum, which, you know, there's a chance. The other thing is too is that that you can argue that, well, I'd say Philly have the best player in the series. Boston might have the next two, but uh, I'd say Philly have got the next one in in Harden. But then it's those other guys, right? Like Boston are so lucky with their depths with with Brogdon. Yeah, oh, I think, I think Philly needs Philly Derek needs White. Philly needs Max and uh, Maxi, D'Anthony Melton, yeah. all uh, Tobias Harris. They've all got to be on, like on, on. yeah. <laughs> I, re- I mean, I think, I, think for, I, I think for Philly to, to get close to Boston, you know, Embiid has to kind of do his thing a bit. Harden has to be, has to show up, not not be an absolute electric, but show up. I think Maxi is probably the key for them. If he can put together a good a good series, you know, it'll go a long way. I, I, I still think Boston are too good, even defensively. Like, they're just, like, they're so good defensively. 
um, you know, as Pat was saying before with Horford and um, Robert Williams. But even like perimeter-wise, like Marcus Smart, Derek White, Jason Tatum, like Jalen Brown, they can all defend. Um, you know, I think it's it's going to be tough going for Philly. George, Hill, tough George Hill coaching, you know, they've, they've got it all. What? I said George Hill coaching, <laughs> they've got it all. Uh, George Hill coaching. He's made a very good but silent point. It's going to be a horrific series to watch. So let's head back out to the West. So we've got two series left over there. It's still in the first round, both 3-2. So with the Warriors are leading the Kings 3-2 and the Lakers leading the Grizz 3-2, both play game sixes tomorrow. Start with the Kings Warriors in the Chase Centre. Do Golden State close it out? Yes. I mean, I think I think that is that is like Warriors are so good at home. Like time and time, it happens with Warriors at home. You know, like I mean, I said in last week's pod that all Golden State have to do is win one at Kings, which they've done, and and they'll they'll keep home court advantage, and, and that's that's done and dusted. I just yeah, I just think Warriors at home, healthy. Um. They'll be. I mean, they'll 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 just. I think they'll steamroll a, an inexperienced Kings who are not used to you know playoffs. Um, you know, good job to them. You know, taking a dynasty team to six games. Um, a dynasty over team. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I just think no. Like this is this is gold. This is another classic Golden State moment where they will get over the line um, at home. Unfortunately, I agree. Darren Fox is a bit banged up. You can't rely on Malik Monk to give you 25 to 30 to win your playoff series, I don't think. So, yeah, I think they'll probably close it out, which is good. I'd prefer to play the Warriors than the Kings because Darren Fox would just put us in a murderous situation like Jar is doing. Steph's too slow. Darren, too quick. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it'd be much better to have Steph, um, to have Steph just shoot threes over your over your defense and cash threes and whack thirty to thirty five every game. I'm good with it. I'd rather lose. To, I'd rather lose. I'd rather lose to them than the fucking Kings. <laughs> I wouldn't. I couldn't deal with that. I Sacramento Queens. <laughs> Rage. What do you reckon? We all know how terrible my predictions are. So, <laughs> having keeping that in mind and using some reverse psychology, I will say that it is closed out in uh, in Game Six. Kings got seven. The Kings have a chance. The the Kings have a chance. All they've got, all they have to do, and it's a hell of a lot easier said than done. The Warriors will will throw a couple of big haymakers in this game to try to. I, I suspect the Warriors are going to come out and they'll they'll try and put 50 on them in the first quarter with that chase center crowd and do like they did during the dynasty, which we all agree is over, but during that <laughs> dynasty where they would just they would just hit you in the mouth with with a huge run that put them up 15 or 20 and for the rest of the game you're playing catch up. So if the Kings can withstand those first couple of haymakers and just keep it close, going into the fourth because 
that's the, the way you lose to the Warriors is they throw a haymaker in the first and they throw a haymaker in the third. If you're able to navigate those two runs and go into the fourth quarter close, you have a chance because they're a team that does turn the ball over a lot. They do play loose, but it's those two haymakers they throw, if they're able to get a 12, 15-point lead, just makes it so hard to get it back with their three-point shooting. So they can navigate that. The Kings have a chance, and if they get through game six, we are lighting the beam in game seven. I guarantee it. We'll be lighting the beam in game seven. So let's just get through this one. <laughs> I so love, I, love, I love the optimism. <laughs> the final final one, the Lakers Grizzlies. So the Grizzlies managed to get the job done back at home in game five to send this one back to the crypt for game six. Anthony Davis had another big game, but they weren't able to pull out the victory. LeBron had a very poor game by his standards. If we're going off recent history, AD is going to have a down game in Game 6. Do the Lakers have enough to close this thing out at home if Anthony Davis continues with the same good game, bad game trajectory? The thing that terrifies me is what you said second there. LeBron had a bad game. What does he do in the playoffs when he has a bad game? Dominates. He goes goes ballistic. Mm. Yeah. He goes ballistic. He just needs his teammate. He just needs his teammates to show up and hit some shots, which they have been in this series for the most part. So I'm confident that that will happen. Just an AD to play defense. Just play defense, mate. That's all you do. Just give the ball to LeBron. You play defense. Don't worry about. But we it. only we only want LeBron to score 25 or less. Otherwise, it's not. Nah, good. not this game. <laughs> not, nah. not this one. This one. This one. We're comfortable for. Have 50. LeBron, LeBron will have 50, AD will have six, and they'll lose. <laughs> that's what will happen if that if that's the case. I'm with you, Pat. I think I think LeBron's in for a big one. He said something about he played a terrible game and that won't happen again or something like yeah. that. I'm paraphrasing. Mark, mark my words, that, it won't happen that again. Spells, that spells travel for anyone in the world. But in this particular series, Dylan Brooks has already asked his agent to check out what's what deals are in China in the offseason. <laughs> he's been so bad. He, yeah, he's he has not done himself any favors being the being this media villain that he that he is trying to be. Now he's not, I've but, been so, but he's not trying got, to be. But he's not trying to be because he's come out now and he said that they, like he doesn't understand why the media. media driven. Are, yeah, yeah, it's media driven, right? Like it's not his fault. I mean, yeah, I've been so caught up with the Jimmy Butler stuff. So I didn't even get a chance to check. Did Jar and Dylan talk to the media after Game Five? Jar did. I'm pretty sure. Nope. No, actually, no, he didn't. Sorry. No, no they, they both, both of them didn't. said no. Both of them said no. Very good. Very good. Because if they if they were if they were bitching out after the losses and then they come out after Game Five and talked, then I would have had some words to say. But if you're not going to talk ever, then you can't talk ever. Or is that Game Four? <laughs> I'm thinking of Pat. No, no they both both, after, game four. after the loss, they both were out. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't even—I didn't get a chance to check if they spoke after game five when they won. Well, the whole world was just worried about Jimmy, weren't they? So that's right. He took over the media waves. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think, I think from my perspective, you know, and again, this is a bit of bit of bias from me, just because of our of our running bet buckets. But, geez, I'd love to see Grizz push Lakers to to a seven. 
to a seventh game. I just because you, you want know, to see LeBron in a game seven. I just, I just think anything can happen in a game seven. Anything not can happen when, in a game seven. Not when LeBron's involved. The only thing that happens is he wins. How many game sevens has LeBron lost in his career? Two. Who two? Orlando? Uh, no, they only went six. Actually, I don't think he's ever lost a game seven. I, I was going to say. I'm no, probably... he might have lost. Did he lose a game seven to Boston in in 08? Yeah, potentially, right. Okay. Yes, he did because he had like he had like thirty nine and seventeen, and Skip still reckons he quit. <laughs> Skip Bayless, Skip's probably time. right. <laughs> so I think that might be the only game seven he's lost because he's beaten that he's beat the Spurs in game seven, he beat the Warriors in game seven, he's beaten Boston in game seven, he's beaten Indiana in game seven, he's beaten Boston twice in game sevens actually, the two thousand eighteen and the two thousand twelve. Um, iterations of the team, so very, very successful in Game Seven. So either way, yeah, but, but I mean, I mean, you know, you know, David versus Goliath. You know, maybe maybe it's Goliath's chance to get. They're the out. number two. They're the number two seed. <laughs> no, no, no. Put no, your you manners back in. Put you your manners back in. You, they're the number you, two seed. You can't. You, can, you can't talk to me. Talk to me about that when literally the other day in our group chat, you were like. If we had this team for 82 games, we're not a... But we didn't, did we? We didn't, did we? I can't help that facts are facts, motherfucker. You Sorry, reckon, mother bleeper. You, you reckon, you reckon <laughs> that if this team had been 82 games as Lakers, they're a number one seed, which I don't said I never said number one seed. I just don't... They wouldn't, they wouldn't have come through the plane and been seventh. Um, I think I think for Grizzlies to get this done, Jar's going to have a big game. Desmond Bain's got to have a big game. Um, I mean, the, the other thing too, I guess, to acknowledge, and I know that this is, um, you know, neither here nor there, but no Stephen Adams in this, in this, you know, is hurting, oh, hurting Grizzlies, oh, but he hasn't been oh, playing since since December. Oh, so. oh, oh, but it doesn't matter about Paul George and Kawhi. Oh, but Stephen <laughs> Adams because of the Lakers. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm going to get a tattoo. Oh, no. <laughs> that's not that's not the case at all, mate. So. Uh. Jeez, oh, take your hat, you mate. You're you're worse than Skip Bayless. You're on his level. Oh, come on, mate. You're the one. <laughs> you're the one telling me that Lakers Lakers were the the best the best team in the in the league, and then you tell me that I can't say anything about being Goliath because they're the seventh seed. They're not the Check best yourself, team. In the, they're not the best yourself. team in the. They're not the best team in the league. Denver are the best team in the league. And I and I, and I have I have said before multiple times. I don't know how this Memphis team is is second seed in the West. And you defended them, being like, "Oh no, they're pretty good." They are. They're 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 a, re- they're a really good team. They are a really good team, but they're a regular season team. Like Luke Kennard is a great shooter. Why not play him more minutes? Like it just doesn't. You're in the playoffs. You need sh- like Dylan Brooks couldn't hit a shot. I understand that you might want to prioritize defense, but like there's got to be. You've got to be smart about playing a shooter. Like Luke Kennard come on in that last game and, and hit a few shots. Like he's got to play a lot more the next game if they're going to win. If they want to win the series. Yeah, Dylan. I mean, Dylan Brooks is, you know, last game he had, he was shot three from 15. The man was not not in the zone. The one, the one thing I can see happening though, and it, it would kill me if it did, but I can, I can just picture it because it happens to the Lakers. Like he, he could just go off. And he he could he could just go off like Scrubs love to go off against us sometimes, and he could he he, he it's he the LeBron just, effect. 
he could just go like five from eight, five from nine, and it's it's a wrap. And imagine you, um, imagine you, if next pod next pod we're talking about, geez, wasn't wasn't Dylan Brooks's forty two against the Lakers in oh, game, oh. game six? <laughs> no, wasn't as good as uh, was he coming Norman Put some respect on Norman's name. He can't. He, he says he. Probably he that China contract's got a couple more zeros on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, from 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 from, ma- from match fixing like Bledsoe. Oh, <laughs> oh God! No, nah, very good. It's gonna be it's gonna be a big day tomorrow. It's a shame I've got to go to football at um, twelve thirty, which is just when the Laker game's starting. But um, I'll be checking the scores during the team meetings and just seeing how things are going. Like um, so I'm just going to um, I'm going to do a quick fact check just to prove okay. skip, skip Bayless's point that LeBron quit in that 08. You know, you want to know his yeah. stat line? <laughs> he played 47 minutes. He had 45 points, five rebounds, six assists, four steals, two blocks. Only five. Only five how, assists. Quit. How many? How many turnovers? <laughs> he quit. How many turnovers? He had two. Two turnovers. Mm. Two turnovers and only five assists and only six rebounds. That, well, yeah, that's atrocious. Jeez, I tell you what, if that's qu- if that's quitting, shit, I'd love to quit like that tomorrow <laughs> on the footy field. Yeah. Like, let me quit like that, God. <laughs> and he he also lost it in 06 to the Detroit Pistons in game a uh, game seven. Apparently, ah, that's the second loss. So he's six two baby. Who's so twenty Dark, years old? To Darko Milicic, yeah. Mm. <laughs> and then just come back the next year and scored the twenty-five last twenty-five points and knocked him out of the Eastern Conference Finals. Nice. Speaking nice. of that, <laughs> that game, that game is one of my favorite playoff games too. Of young LeBron against Detroit in that was it? Wouldn't say twenty-five straight or whatever it was. So like was yeah, up. scored the last twenty-five and twenty-nine of the last thirty. Yeah, and I guess that Jeez. has that massive dunk. Yep. Towards the end, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep, that got brought up a lot in the last couple of days when they were going through greatest playoff individual performances. So you basically got Jimmy, LeBron, Jordan, Magic, and that was about it. There weren't many others. The Magic rookie game, Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Obviously, Jordan has about five or six entries and then LeBron. I also feel like Reg. I want to ask. I want to do a bit of a a, um, a welfare check on you, given um, <laughs> Larry Malkin, uh, Laurie Mal- Markinen got most improved. Jimmy Butler's tearing it up. Tibbs is coaching in the playoffs again. Where Derek where, Rose oh, still playing? Derek Rose still playing. Where Where is a Bulls fan? Where is your head sitting at the moment? Oh, it's shit house, mate. It's absolutely shit house. <laughs> <laughs> it's He's had Robin Lopez. You could have yeah, got Brooke and the brothers could have teamed up. Troy Brown Jr., just quietly. <laughs> Jack Harrison, you know. Jeez, the boys. You know who we are? We're, we're that team that everyone comes and dies and then resurrects their career when they yeah. leave. That's who we are. Well, you played Miami they... form in the play-in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We basically got Jimmy Young. We're like, here you go, Jimmy. Win the game. Get yourself ready for. Uh, Bring back. Didn't Garth score Hanks. in the last three minutes. Oh, can we just change the subject, please? <laughs> <laughs> hey, what, what's the percentage for Wemby? Uh, One point seven, baby. One point. There it is. There it is. Uh, very good. Very I'm good. Hold, I'm really... holding on to bucket saying that the NBA likes to rig these things. So I'm holding on with, with two hands. 
They do, Madam <laughs> Silver's anything like David Stern, you've got a real chance. <laughs> I'm pretty sure um, Paolo Benchero came out saying he'd love to play alongside Wemby, which would be good for Pat's team because Orlando did overachieve this year. So. See? <laughs> no, 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 they're coming. They're, they're coming. I bet they're I coming. I mean, just, just like Carlton are coming, they are coming. <laughs> no, very good another good episode we're really sinking our teeth into the playoffs now it's a very very exciting um more exciting news tomorrow as i said we've got the two big games in the nba but then come 9 30 tomorrow night australian time the draw for the fiba world cup will be happening live and the boys will know where the boomers sit for the group stage they have a 50 50 chance between being in oak Kawana, Japan, I believe I pronounced that correctly, or Jakarta, Indonesia. So 9.30, the boys will be tuning in to see where they sit for the group stages. There any preferences between Japan and Indonesia? I want to go to Japan. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm coming that way, Tosh. I'm coming that way now. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I want our forty-hour drive from Okinawa, dude. They've got bullet trains. We'll be there in like forty minutes. <laughs> I want to drive. Just, I want to go on just, all the ferry. Just, <laughs> just a leisurely drive. Just a leisurely drive to Tokyo. It'll be all right. We can do it. Yeah, no biggie. Wow. Yeah. Well, as long as if we go, if we're driving, we're going to drive through that hey, intersection. You're coming anyway. So why are you talking? <laughs> hey, I'm paid. I'm paid. You're the one that took forever to pay. So we'll just need to we just need to just get a two seater, boys. You could probably just get one of those motorbikes with the sidecar. You won't need the uh, third we'll get, seat. We'll just we'll just get a Ute, just a Ute, a two seater Ute. <laughs> no, that's very exciting. But uh, Japan is a hell of a lot more expensive than Indonesia. So obviously, these boys are doing a hell of a lot better than what I would be doing if I was coming along because I couldn't afford to go to Japan. Oh, you'd be right. You can busk on the streets, get some money, get some yen. Get some <laughs> <again>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, very good. Very exciting. All right. We'll be back again in a week's time to talk about the Lakers' second-round matchup. That'll be very exciting and just see how close the Nuggets are to closing out Phoenix. Yes. <laughs> and also another week closer to the draft lottery for Reg. Yes. <laughs> There's so many good things to look forward to. There's so many. And look, Patty, Patty Mills, Joe Ingles, they're now out. All they've got to worry about is putting on that green and gold uniform. That's it. Do you it's know all what coming together for boomers. Team gathering at Giddy's house, a couple of box of cruisers, get the boys there. <laughs> they can sit there I did see Dyson Daniel. Dyson Daniels yeah. is back in Bendigo too. Mate, get, get them all in, slamming cruisers, watching Jock Landale. <laughs> and then Jock Landale will be able to join him in a week and a half or so. And then we are, we are flying. Chuck Landau oh. might not play. He might be too busy celebrating his championship in the NBA. Oh, that's so funny. A cruiser party for the boomers just to get the morale up. Come on, that's Benny like, boy. If there's anything to get Ben Simmons back on the court, it's a cruiser party. <laughs> but stri- strictly only gold. Only gold yes. and the yellow. The pineapple oh, yeah. cruisers. Pineapple the cruisers pineapple. only. Is there any other flavor, really? We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Courtside Hoops podcast. Please follow us wherever you listen to our podcasts. Give our Instagram page a follow as well uh, at courtsidehoops.podcast. And as always, keep sending those mailbag questions in.